Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for another opportunity in this life, Lord, to seek you, Lord, and to be able to lay our burdens down at your feet, to be able to come to you with our weariness, with our sorrow, Lord, to come to you with our joy, to come to you with our hopes, to come to you with our desires, Lord. And we pray that you would speak today. Reveal yourself to us where we are and draw us to yourself. And Lord, please give me your words to speak to your people. May I be faithful and gentle and bold, Lord, to do that. And we pray that you would lead us together, Lord, into a deeper understanding of who you are, a deeper love of you, and a deeper faith. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! So in my, um, during seminary, which was forever ago, I had uh, a buddy who was kind of notorious in the school, because it was a small school, so we all knew each other. He was notorious for being not great about taking care of stuff that was loaned to him. Right? Does anyone have someone like this in your life? Maybe a kid, maybe a parent, maybe a friend, right? So one of my friends loaned this guy a wetsuit, and it came back with a big tear in it. Um, we loaned him, somebody else loaned him something else. We loaned him our rocket box, you know, the rooftop thing. It came back with the top no longer attached to the bottom, right? You know, and at some point you start to realize, can I trust this person with my stuff, right? Because when you borrow something, how are you supposed to return it? Same as before, I had another friend in school who would borrow my truck. He did like on the side, he would do kind of um, tree trimming and take down trees and stuff like that. And I'd always get the truck back. It'd be clean, full of gas and have money on the dash. Right. And who did who, who did I like to loan my truck to him? I'm like, I'll ride a bike any day if you'll take my truck, fill it up, clean it and give me give me money. That's great. Right, and, but this other friend, this friend who would destroy those things, really nice guy, great guy, but not a great guy to loan your stuff to. Now, that idea of loaning and caring for other people's stuff is a, an important theme that we see in our gospel passage for today. And uh, since it's another Sunday, it's another vineyard, right? If it's Sunday, it must be vineyard. Um, because we are in the series of parables about vineyards from this conversation in the gospel of Matthew. So this parable is a continuation of that conversation that Jesus has been having with the chief priests, the elders, and those other people who are gathered at the temple to hear him preach. Jesus has uh, immediately finished, he's just finished telling them about the two sons. Remember from last week, the two sons who were asked to go in the vineyard. Uh, one said, I will, and didn't. One said, I won't, and did. And he immediately then jumps into this parable, our parable for today. And this is known as the parable of the tenants. I didn't count any ants in this, so I don't know how it's got ten ants in it. Maybe that was different translation. Was that bad? The choir is groaning behind me. Okay. All right. Well, I'll work on that for, oh, but there's no more services. Shoot. I don't, I, I won't get any better. Sorry about that. So in this vineyard, uh, we have the story about how the owner has planted this vineyard, he has fenced it, he's placed a wine press in it, and he has built a tower in it from which to watch over the vineyard, to protect it from thieves, but also to survey the work and uh, how the vineyard is doing. So it's, it's like a fully set up, like this is your fully optioned out vineyard. 
This is not the base model. This is the, the deluxe version. And then the owner leases the property to tenants so that he can rent, reap some benefit from it without having to do all the work on it. And this was a popular model back then. Uh, wealthy landowners would lease out their property to other people to do the work, and then they would receive the profits uh, from a distance while the other people did the work. Um, this still happens today. It's not a remote model to us. It's still We still see it. Like if you've got enough resources, it's not hard to make money, right? And that's what we see in this one here. But actually, it is hard to make money in this vineyard. So, um, because things are going really well with these tenants until harvest time rolls around, right? And it was at harvest time that the tenants would have to pay the owner his share of the harvest. And so the, the owner sends his slaves to collect the produce, right? And they come happily to the vineyard to do the owner's bidding. And when they arrive, what do the tenants do to them? Beat them. Kill them and stone them, right? That famous triumvirate of terrible things to happen to you. Uh, beating, killing, and stoning. But from the old adage, which the owner has apparently read or heard very many times, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. There we go. And so the landowner sends more slaves. And what happens to them? More of the same, right? Beatings, killings, stonings. The landowner, though, has an idea. He has a way he's going to solve this, right? And he's got it figured out that he is going to send his son, thinking, they will respect my son. Now, I don't know who this owner is, but would you be thinking that right now? I'd be like, okay, it's been terrible. They've killed two waves of my servants. Um, I'm going to send my son into this situation, and I'm sure it will be different. How naive is that? Right, that is wishful thinking. And the tenants, who you might be thinking at this point, might not be good people, right? See the son coming, and they hatch a plan. And what is their plan? Kill the son. Kill the heir. They say, I mean, it's not a great plan, right? We'll be honest. This is not the most well-thought-out plan. Um, but they think, this is the heir, come let us kill him and get his inheritance. Now, I'm not sure about Middle Eastern property law in the first century. Right? Maybe this was a valid way to claim property. Uh, but it seems to me that while the owner of the property is still alive, it would be hard to gain the inheritance by killing the son. Right? So I don't think it's the best plan ever. But I have heard that possession is nine-tenths of the law. So who knows? Maybe it was. So they seized the son, they threw him out of the vineyard, and they kill him. The son came to the vineyard that was rightfully his, came to claim what rightfully belonged to him, and he was taken from it and killed. At this point, Jesus comes out of the parable and asks his audience a question. I love how Jesus does this too, right? He is perfectly ambushes his audience. He asks them, now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And what do they say? Yeah, he'll destroy them, right? They're going to get what they've been given. He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Right, so there's two pieces of it. One, 
judgment. He'll kill those miserable or those wretches and put them to a miserable death. And the other is he will lease out his property to people he can trust who will actually give him what is rightfully his. Now, I like to imagine the scene in my eye, in like my mind's eye, right? Do you guys do this too when you read the Bible? Right? And this is one of those beautiful, like the way they respond, it really lends a theatrical uh, like nature to this. You can just see how excited they are waiting for Jesus to ask them this question. Like, what's going to happen to these guys? What's going to happen to those wicked tenants? How is the landowner going to deal with them? And you can imagine them being just full of zeal as they say, judgment, judgment. They should die. They should die. And I can imagine if there was a soundtrack in this, right? There is in my mind that it'd be like, dun, dun, dun. You know, as they say that. And then you'd see their eyes as Jesus continues on and they begin to realize that they are the wicked tenants themselves. Their eyes begin to widen as that judgment starts to fall on them. Because Jesus continues. Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produce the fruit of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. Immediately, according to our passage, the chief priests and the Pharisees realize that this parable is about who? Them. Them. They have been pointing their fingers at those wicked tenants thinking, get them, get them. They should die all the time, not knowing that it was their own judgment they were speaking of. Because they're like that son from last week who said yes but didn't go out. And they are like the tenants of the vineyard, the ones who had stoned the prophets before and now would kill the son who had been sent to them. And with not an, a whiff of irony in their minds, they plan to do what in retribution? Our passage tells us they plan to arrest him. And what is their ultimate plan that they're going to carry out? They're going to kill the son, right? They're going to kill Jesus. It's so funny. How dare you accuse us of killing people who tell us things we don't want to hear? We're going to kill you because we didn't want to hear that. <laughs> right? I mean, it's the funniest thing in the world, and yet it's so true. So true. The only thing that holds them back is proper decorum and that they're afraid of the crowds who hear Jesus and want to follow him. We live in a world like this, don't we? We live in a world that's where the violent and the powerful take and destroy, in which injustice is perpetrated and we feel helpless against it. It's into this world, into his vineyard, that the Lord speaks. Because indeed, this whole world, everything in it, all creatures, everything, is the Lord's. It's all his. And we've been given stewardship over it. Everything belongs to him. And he has sent his prophets, his messengers, and ultimately he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world and died for this world at the hands of men who thought they could kill the son and have the world for themselves. That they would never need to return it to the Lord. But in the midst of the greatest crime ever, something happened that those wicked tenants were not expecting. 
The sun rose from the grave, and the stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone. Through Christ, the kingdom had been taken away from the powerful, and it would be given to the faithful. So how does this parable speak to us in the midst of the horrible tragedies that we've been witnessing around us? Or the horrible tragedies that we witness in our own lives? The pain, the suffering, the difficulties, the loss. Well, on one level, it gives us comfort because there will be a day of judgment. There will be a day. You okay, Miss Rosie? Can somebody call for an ambulance, please? Thank you, Wendy. Okay, she's doing okay, but we're going to go ahead and pray for Miss Rosie. Lord God, we pray that you be with Rosie, that you would uphold her, that you would strengthen her and hold her in the palm of your hand, Lord, that you would uh, guide the medical team as they come here to take care of her, and that you would uh, bring her to complete and total health and security and peace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now as they care for her, we're going to continue with the sermon, and then they'll come in and get her, and um, we will allow them to do their work, okay? In the midst of the greatest crime ever, something happened that people were not expecting, right? That those perpetrators of that violence were not expecting. The sun rose from the grave, and the stone that the builders rejected became that cornerstone. And this gives us hope, right? This gives us hope because there will be a day of judgment. There will be a day when things are set right, when accounts are settled, and when the wicked are punished, and when the righteous are lifted up. On another level, Jesus will make things right. He will flip the tables. The meek will inherit the earth. His resurrection will carry the day. And so we have a hope that can give us peace even as chaos surrounds us. Finally, this parable shows us that even though he knew it meant death, Jesus Christ was willing to go into this broken and hurtful world, into this vineyard where things were being done which should not be done. Jesus Christ entered that messy place and came and brought life. That is the hope we have, is a God who is willing to enter the messiness of our world, the messiness of our lives, the brokenness and sin that we live in and that we deal with, God is willing to enter that place with us and be there and die so that we can have life. That is the God we follow, and that is the God that we trust. 
May we invite Jesus Christ into this vineyard, into this world. And may we invite him into this vineyard of our own lives, our own hearts, our own budgets, our own schedules, our own families, our own work, our own struggles. May we invite him into that vineyard and entrust it to him. That we might feel the redemption, the healing, and the peace that comes with having our lives led by the one who created the vineyard, who planted it, and made it to flourish. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would focus our hearts and minds upon you now, that your grace and mercy would flow through us. We pray, Lord God, that you would comfort us as we struggle with the challenges and vicissitudes of life, Lord, with the struggles and the pain and the hurt and the loss and estrangement. Lord God, we're often confused and dismayed by the events in our lives, and we pray that you would bring order, that you would bring healing, that you would bring justice, and that you would bring redemption. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.